Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slam Fire Radio, episode 331 for November 21st, 2019. I am one of your hosts, Adriel the Frosty. No, it's not the Frosty. The Frosty? Frosty. It's either Adriel or Frosty. It can't be Adriel the Frosty. Mm, Adriel (laughs) Frosty. I'm Adriel Frosty. Frosty Adriel? That's what happens when you don't embrace your nickname. You don't know how to use it correctly. Yeah. I'm the Frilatte. And I'm Andy the Classy One. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're the Captain Classy one. Captain Classy Andy. Captain, I don't know. Captain uh, 1911 Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> there we, you go. There. We need to talk about that a little later there. Yeah. We probably should. Now that the three of us are all together, maybe we can finally get an accurate retelling of the events that transpired that evening. Sure. Yeah. When do you want to go? Now or? Yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. uh, yeah. it. Let's do your I'm, version. I'm really sorry that Trevor made me break that slide. Like oh. That. You know? <laughs> I, I never actually it. apologized to you. So, Adriel, uh, yeah. I feel like that's as close as we're going to get to the truth. Yeah. Oh, that's way more than I was expecting. I wasn't expecting anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just, uh, I did the trigger job, so shut it. <laughs> I mean, and, he didn't uh, say no. vice one more turn, but he was... He was looking right at me, and I could see it in his eyes. It, that you, you could read in my eyes. My yeah, eyes were you, saying one more turn. My eyes were saying one more, one more little twist. Yeah. Mm, interesting. And now, I'm not sure why you're apologizing to Adriel or why Adriel, Adriel, <laughs> come, Don't Adriel even care. come out ahead in this deal. Uh, what That's I want right. to know is, how did I get responsible for buying an entirely new gun just to get the slide off of it? How did that work out? It was a Narinko. You just find them everywhere. Oh, yeah, okay. Because it was your idea, Trevor. Which part? The whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> Other than breaking, actually breaking the slide, maybe not. But, maybe not, yeah. You know. But the entire project was my idea, so I was financially responsible to replace the slide by purchasing a new gun. Sounds perfect to me, yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, let's. Why don't we get into uh, what we did in guns? What we did in guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Right now they have the Calgary Shooting Center holiday sales page of deals and it's being updated regularly. So if you go check out their holiday sale, they had that uh, uh, they had that pistol up the other week, but now they've got all these uh, scopes and rifles and all sorts of cool stuff up there right now. So head on over yes. to... Uh, Holiday dash sale after the shooting center.com and you'll see some uh, some deals. And check it often. That's the whole idea. They keep coming back to that like don't just check it once. They're updating that link all the time with new stuff that's coming on sale all month. So don't just go once and say, Oh, there's nothing there I'm interested in. You need to check it on the daily because you don't know what's coming down the pipe. There may be something tomorrow that you absolutely have been wanting to get for a long time. So if you don't keep going back, you may miss out on something. 
Cool. Uh, Andy, did you want to start us off? What have you been doing in guns this week? Sure. Um, well, let's see. Trevor's probably going to talk about uh, the match last weekend that we both attended. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, shot an Ipswich match. Uh, shot it in classic division like I always do, but this time I decided to try shooting minor. And it went okay. I, I got second place. Uh, the guy who beat me, Tim Thomas, he would have beat me anyway if I'd shot major, probably. I didn't pick a very good match to try minor in it was it was a very major friendly match um i won't talk anymore about that because we got to go into major minor stuff and not everybody wants to hear about that it's uh it's ipsic detail type stuff anyway had a fun match trevor came down here spent the weekend with me uh before the match we it was very cold and windy out not by your standards adriel but uh it was cold and windy for us and uh we said well, well let's go to the outdoor range and uh you know practice or testing shoot. practice yeah. yeah so i didn't practice with the handgun i took my uh my pcc can you show this is, thing uh, which Indeed. is uh it's it's this is what i'm starting my pcc career with it's um oh man what you see that? right yeah <laughs> you see that you see the uh the custom uh you know buttstock there with the for the our audio listeners he's holding up some abomination of uh, it's called a mech tech and it's that's m-e-c-h-t-e-c-h um it replaces a slide on a 1911 or a 2011 and it's basically a blowback uh rifle and uh it came my way i got a real good deal on it um i did some gunsmithing work for a guy and he he gave me a good deal on it uh Cut the barrel. Well, I was about six or eight inches off the barrel. I basically, I got it as short as it can get without putting your hand in front of it when you grab the forend there. Um, you know, rethreaded it, put the muzzle brake back on. I don't think the muzzle brake does anything, but whatever. Looks cool. Um, I've got the lower on it. Is uh, Trevor will recognize that? Yeah. That's the Apiro I bought from him, which is a a long dust cover 2011. STI. Where's the, where's the charging handle on that thing? That's over here. Oh, it's on the left on side. The correct, yeah. On the correct side. Yeah. And it's a, it. It, it, it moves with the bolts. You know, it's a reciprocating charging handle. Uh, yeah, that 2011 on the bottom, I had to I had to slot the, uh, the forend there to uh, fit because it's really designed for a regular length dust cover 1911. But anyway, took it to the range. Didn't work. Uh, I'm trying to use some very light. It's a, the other cool thing about this is it's in 10 millimeter, which is not your, you know, most PCC shooters probably don't shoot 10 millimeter. Probably uh-huh. none. No, they were just making fun of that on uh, the Shoot Fast <laughs> podcast about, you know, uh, who shoots a PCC in 10 mil. Well, is well, there a major minor in, in PCC? Nope. No, oh. there's no advantage at all to shooting 10 millimeter. Just, just disadvantages. <laughs> Just, yeah, just all the disadvantages, but the cool factor, right? Yeah. Stop that cardboard. Not wrong. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've got a nice light load with a very light bullet for 40 cal. It's it's 155, but it's truncated cone bullet, and it doesn't feed well in this gun, or it didn't. But uh, as we saw that weekend, well, we were there for what 20 minutes, Trevor. It was so friggin' cold. Maybe 19. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I maybe got two mags to run all the way, but it kept hanging up on the feed ramp. But I've since fixed that, 
uh, runs great now. Shot it uh, last night at Ipsic indoor Ipsic practice and uh, shot over 250 rounds through it without a without any malfunctions at all. Only malfunction I had was my own when I bumped the safety on by mistake. So that's just a getting used to it type thing. Yeah. What did you uh, What did you do to the so you obviously worked on part of the upper. You wouldn't you wouldn't start working on the frame of the Apiro. So well, what did you do to the upper to like get the feeding issue to go away? The feed the Apiro takes a comes with the with the upper is a little block that goes in where the feed ramp would be on right. the twenty eleven. That's part of the feed ramp and the rest of the feed ramp is on the barrel in the in the upper. That's where it was catching. So I just had to reshape it a little bit. Hmm. And uh, now those bullets slide right in there. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I actually managed to beat Tim last night by 1%. Yes, well. So, yeah, I beat him with a rifle. Awesome. (laughs) Win and win. Still still counts. (laughs) Right? If you don't slide over far enough on the practice score webpage, it doesn't actually show that you were in rifle division. It simply shows your name above his. And let's face it, nobody slides over. No, no. No, no, no. Just look. Yeah, overall. It's the combined. The combined that counts. Combine yeah. that counts not not just in Saskatchewan anymore. Now that we no, anywhere, P- yeah, yeah. If you shoot PCC, a combine counts everywhere. Right. So the cool thing about this is, to sum it up, you get an awesome 2011 trigger group fire controls mag release, uh, super awesome magwell, super awesome STI mag slides right in. It feels just like when you're shooting a pistol. I'm used to that, so that felt mag. Reloads were no problem at all. Felt normal. Um, just handling the rifle at speed is what I, you know, for my PCC career. That's what I've got to. Which the whole goal here is uh, the Christmas match is coming up here for AMA, and that uh, I'm shooting. That's going to be my one and only match this year in PCC. But this is the gun I'm taking, and it's you know it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a battle because a lot oh, of people. Are, yeah, a lot of people are doing it. Uh, I'm trying to get Muffin to come, and I'll give him uh, my PCC. Maybe we can even shoot on opposite lines, and then he can shoot it, and I can shoot it or something. Are you and still thinking of shooting the pistol match first in the morning with, with if, your pistol? If Muffin doesn't attend, or maybe that's what I'll do. Like We can get there early. While he's shooting PCC, I'll shoot pistol, and then we'll switch. And I'll just make sure that only my... Um, uh, whichever one Sean tells me to declare will be the one I shoot first. <laughs> well, yeah, like you should. The one you shoot, shoot first P- has to be the one that counts. Yeah, I'll shoot the PCC first. So while Muffin's shooting, uh, I'll shoot PCC, and I don't know. He can shoot pistol, and then we'll switch. Maybe. Whatever. He's not. Sean's not even going to be there, and the Christmas match is quite a busy match. It's very popular. So. No, uh, he's Mary's going to be in Florida. He was going that's for a one match. Less, uh, that's one less. That's one less competitor. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, he's right. He, and he, he would have been. He's dangerous. He's though, dangerous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, good. I mean, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I think like, we'll miss him. But I wish he was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish he was there, but it's more awesome that he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this might not actually work because I don't want to put that kind of. Um, request on the on the more inexperienced match directors to have to juggle and deal with that it might be a pain um, in their butt yeah yeah it's, it's way right yeah unless it's, he well, sets can, it up ahead of time 
You could just run it by. See. What, yep. See what, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we'll do. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Cool. All right. Yeah. So uh, did that. Uh, that's yeah, it's it's coming along. I I think it's going to be fun to shoot for that one match. And then after that, I'm going back to you know class division major with my 45 getting ready for the match in Florida. Anyway, uh, but the only other thing gun-wise is a, uh, a customer brought me a, a SIG slide and barrel uh, that with a, it's got, you know, it's a, I think it was a 225, he said, I'm not sure. Um, it's got a, you know, a SIG slide with a barrel sticking about an inch out of the muzzle, a threaded barrel with a, with a thread protector on it. He wants, uh, he wants that shortened to the minimum legal length and rethreaded and maybe a skinnier less obtrusive thread protector on it so i was uh, just eyeballing putting that in the lathe tonight before we went on air here so that's uh yeah paying job paying gunsmithing job so, wow yeah big stuff it's real now oh man got to keep the lights on you should yeah. put a big brake on the end of that thing just one of those old tank brakes the really big might, round one i might put one on for a photo op yes like before yeah. i give it to him yeah yeah it would look cool it, well yeah and that's what <laughs> his reaction tell tell him it's permanently installed uh yeah, you yeah. had to permanently install it and uh it was 200 dollars. Yeah. yeah 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 that's yeah that's i think have, are you a gunsmith adriel because that sounds yeah sounds like genius right is that, i think that's what they teach them in gunsmith school right i got a dremel so i'm already like most of the way there do you is have it, a YouTube account? Because you need both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. You're happy there. A, wow. a willingness to show myself just massacring guns online, too. So you've got the West covered. Awesome. I'll do the East. You do the West. <laughs> I, I have a video on my Facebook uh, uh, on Hunting Gear Guy of me with a grinder hitting a brand new out-of-the-box Browning A5 and gr- like hitting it with a grinder on the loading port. So uh, Gunsmith I right here. It. Yep. I watched yep. it, yeah. Got it. I don't have to comment, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes the it can, it can be <laughs> stunning how how good the quality of work I've, I do is. I guess, yeah. I really yeah. like the uh, actually your Chinese coin uh, um, mag release or uh, bolt stop yeah, bolt release. release. Yeah, that sort of inspired me on a little project. I I made something similar for a mag button that well, I didn't keep it, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't keep mine either. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, I think that's it for me. Trevor, you're up. Cool, man. Well, uh, like Andy said, I uh, went down to his place for the weekend to go to our first indoor match of the weekend. And it was also my first in my first production optics match with my new Phoenix Redback. And uh, it went well. Um, I won the, uh, won the match in the production optics division by a almost three percent behind or just in front of uh, Derek Merriweather so um, I'm happy with that first match with the with that gun only the second time shooting that gun and and I won um, I was uh, not I'm not gonna lie I was pretty nervous going in because um, a little bit of pressure right the first time shooting production optics with this big fancy gun that the Calgary shooting center provided to me I wanted to do really well but I didn't you know I didn't have uh, well, yeah, I had a lot of expectations. You, felt, you felt some pressure to perform, but you raised to you raised to the expectation. Yeah, exactly. Raised to the occasion. Raised to the occasion. I rose to the occasion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you were you were adapting to that new gun. You were having a little trouble. You told me with 
trigger freeze, which you worked on for that 20 minutes we were outdoors at the range with your frozen fingers. Yeah. Um, but you did, I think you did it once at the match. You had a little trigger freeze, but not, not a lot, right? That was, that was it. There was one instance of trigger freeze and one instance of, I come into the array. Where's my freaking dot? It didn't, it, it, it happened. It, it, you know, if you watch the videos on Instagram, you can barely tell it happened. It's not that, you know, those guys are no, doing you, crazy. You know, you hit it well. You weren't doing the no, exactly exercising um, that wrist thing. You know, I'm not even a hundred percent sure that it happened, Andy. But since you look at the video and I come into the array and I pause instead of shooting, what else could I have paused for? And I, I don't, rem- you know, that's Thinking the only thing. About- I- Thinking about something, maybe. <laughs> what are we having for dinner tonight? Yeah, can't wait to get those burgers into me. And, uh, <laughs> and that must have been what it was. So anyway, and then of course there was that uh, that malfunction with uh, the ammunition. So I've been using a Dylan case gauge exclusively since I started reloading. I purchased it when I purchased my Dylan six fifty, and up until this match chamber, it was always fine. Um, a lot of guys have switched from the Dylan over the years because it's too generous in tolerance and what goes into the case gauge may not actually chamber the gun. And I experienced that. So what I did when I got home after the match was set up the Dylan 650 to process nine millimeter brass using the EGW undersized die. So this is quite a process. I've got to take all of my brass that's already been cleaned put it in put it in the case feeder and simply uh, first resize it because or sorry lube it nine mil brass is uh hard enough to resize as it is compared to other pistol cases because it's not actually straight walled it has a slight taper to it so it's it's a bugger to re to resize in comparison to other like 40 or 45 for example or especially a 38 special and 33 57 magnum those are a dream um so lubing it helps so you lube it, you put it in the case feeder, and then you run it through the die, just the die. There's there's no other dies in the tool head. You're just resizing, resizing. And then from there, you got to get the lube off. So might as well clean up my stainless steel tumbler. Every time I go to Andy's place, I'm just absolutely uh, impressed with how clean his brass is. And come to find out, like, he's using more soap than I am. He doesn't leave it on as long as I do, but he does much smaller batches. Like Andy, you're cleaning less than 500 cases at a time, right? You're cleaning. Oh no, more. I'm cleaning more now. I'm a couple, oh, couple of liters, couple of uh, couple of those, couple of liter containers full. Okay, so, so you've. I don't know how many boat. cases that is, but right. With so it's probably like 50. <laughs> and how long are you leaving it on for? Uh, eight hours, I think. Okay, Which so is more than most people do. Yeah, I leave it on. I just put it on at night. I just put it on when I go to bed. Same here. I got a timer. I got it plugged into a timer. I put it on at night, and then I go to bed. So last batch. Pictures you sent today? Yeah, you're 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 still not there. (laughs) No way. Stop (laughs) it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They look good. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're every bit as clean as yours now. I can't tell much in a photograph, but yeah, it looked okay. Listen, when I come down, I'll bring you a fistful (laughs) of my brass. We'll throw it in with your brass. You'll never know the difference. All right. Um, Okay everything is a contest it's a contest even how clean you can get your brass yeah so you guys clean your brass hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah we sure do then there's the other then there's the other mm. route right yeah, yeah. never never well, really seen the need <laughs> dirt everywhere so you don't need to it it doesn't have any effect at all on how well your ammo per- performs i don't think 
<laughs> right? <laughs> big big starts off with. I don't like my press to get dirty. That's exactly. the only reason I clean brass. Yep. And and, um, and people like think it's cool, you know. Yeah. Oh, the um, black sheep brass has me spoiled. I, I ran out, so I went back to resizing on the press. And man, pain in the butt, right? And more more things getting rejected in the case gauge and stuff. That black sheep brass stuff is roll, roller sized. And just, I've never had any problems with any, any black sheep brass. What's roller sized? It's instead of forcing it into a die, it's two metal plates that roll size it. And it, it does a better job, especially at the bottom. It eliminates any bulges that the die doesn't catch. It's a whole oh. operation, yeah. Interesting. I learned yeah. something. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that's so that's been going on since I got back from the match. Um, I also did more 7.62 by 40 brass prep and was doing some more loading before the show tonight. Um, I actually started to load some with um, for ladder tests. So... Minimum powder charge is 23 grains at 1680. So I've loaded a bunch at 1680 just to break in the barrel. Ryan said, you know, shoot 30 to 40 rounds, then clean it, and then call it good. Move on from there. There's a bunch ladder of different. Tests? No, you're no. Doing... You're doing ladder tests? I will be. Really? Yeah. Load really? them up to max and yeah. call it a day. Why, why are you doing all this testing? I want to. I want to find the optimum powder charge for that bullet. The optimum is the one that are makes using, it go the fastest. Have you Have you uh, tried optimal charge weight method instead of ladder test, or are you just using ladder test in a generic sense? I, I believe I'm using it in a generic sense, Andy. Okay. So here's here's what I do. Um, I'll start off 23, 23 and a half, 24, 24 and a half, 25, 25 and a half, mm-hmm. and so somewhere in there it's going to tighten up, get big, and then tighten up again. Yep. Okay. We're good. All right. You're off the hook. Okay. Thanks. Sorry. Sorry for chastising you. <laughs> Ahead of time. You should have let me at least explain the process, then tore me up. Preemptively chastising. Good for you. I blew that one. Yeah. That's one for me. Yep. All right. Um, what else did I do? Oh, uh, some springs came in. And more springs are coming in for the Phoenix Redback. So I've got a 10-pound um, recoil spring that I put in there because the gun felt like it had a lot of recoil spring, which can lead the gun to not return to zero and actually dip. So muzzle goes up, slide goes forward, muzzle goes down, then comes back up. So, um, yeah, I've knocked the recoil spring back to 10 pounds, which, you know, uh, Andy, on your 9mm 1911, what are you running in there, a 10 or a 9 you know, I asked Sean that the other – Sean had it. I bought it from Sean. Yep. I asked him because I had no idea what was in it, and I haven't shot it enough to worry about changing it. I believe he told me it was a 10. Okay. I can't remember what he told me now. It might be 11. But no, it's – well, I run 9 and 15 on his recommendation. So, like, Lorette used to run 17 in the mainspring. because. Well, if he recommended, it's probably what he was running. But probably was he was that's running. That's got the tri top slide. The slide's lighter, so you yeah. might run a pound heavier spring in it. Yeah, and I wonder about that too. Like, am and I? I switched, I switched the mainspring to seventeen because I didn't want to worry about reliability. Yeah, yeah, I've never had an issue. Of course, I'm only running federal primers. So, well, that leads me to the next spring that I changed in my Phoenix Redback. The Phoenix Redback has a mainspring housing like a 1911, and so I got a 15-pound 
mainspring, which is what I run in my 1911s. Um, I grabbed some old school Winchester primers, which were the hardest primers I had on on uh, on hand, and it would not light them off on the first strike. Light them on the second strike, but not the first strike. I didn't even test it with Federal. I assume it'll light off Federal, but I need it to kind of light off everything. And it only took a pound yeah. off the double action anyway. And you don't know what poundage was in it, so you could still try a 17. Can you get a 16? No one talks about a 16. Yeah, really, eh? But you could try a 17 and see if it's any different or see if yeah. it works. Yep, because you're right. I don't know what's in there. So yeah. now that being said, um, Phoenix reached out to me on Instagram and offered me some some stuff. They said that one of the uh, guys from the Calgary Shooting Center would be going out there and they were going to send me a free set of um, the blue aluminum grips that I was pawning over on Instagram and Facebook. So they said, we're going to send you the grips that you said that you like. And what else do you want? So I'm like, sweet, send me an extended magazine button, send me some springs and send me some buffers. And so it's a little care package on the way. So we'll see what's in that. Some um, Phoenix Redback shooter from Europe told me they had a competition spring kit coming to the market in the springtime. So maybe that's it, right? Um, so in the meantime, uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what I can find uh, out here. And I also have to be careful because what for production, right? So, uh, yeah. no, you can change anything related to the trigger group, including springs. No one's going to know that you have some other spring in your weird Swiss uh, check knockoff know. thing. No one's going to know about any of that spring <laughs> stuff. I'm a range master. I, I always have to be above board. So, can't, uh, you know, I can't play with the rules that I am in charge to enforce that matches, so um so um yeah um how, how'd you do in the combined on that one trevor because that's right, it only... doesn't matter no one counts no, the combined that's the only thing that counts right <laughs> <laughs> like tim thomas said there were several <laughs> open shooters in pcc shoot you're such a dick right now <laughs> right now uh it was way uh, fair fair i was way yeah. good clarification I was way down, man. I was 11th, and uh, yes, you did beat me. <laughs> you doing that yeah, more just... frequently these days? Yep, uh, on the only on the little matches. Yeah, well, there you go. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm not getting any younger, though. No, you're like 54 now. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea how old I am. I do you too. Love to I, you love to you, say, how old am I really? 52. Oh, good man. Jeez. Soon to be 53, like very soon. Yeah. I even know when your birthday is. Oh, we're coming, by the way. Oh, excellent. Good. Yeah, sure. regardless, regardless of the date? I think so. Okay. That That'd I don't be... know. If it's the weekend, we're coming. All right. Well, that's we good. About, yeah. Filthy can only do the weekend. Luke was supposed to get back to me. We're, we're planning a New Year's Eve party, uh, by the way, Adriel. Sorry. You want to come, uh, Adriel? Let's talk, about some, like, let's talk about some guns. Yeah, yeah, we're going back. Oh yeah, I want to come, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to come down. No. Yeah, <laughs> fine. All right. So, uh, yeah, and then um, this thing happened. This is awesome. My modern sporter receiver set arrived, um, and I very quickly assembled it with my Ooh. IBI 7.62 by 40 WT barrel, and I had all the other goodies on hand, with the exception of the gas block, and I've been like turning everything off in the house so that while I'm working in the basement, I can hear if somebody knocks on the door 
because uh, it said arrive by end of day Thursday, the 28th, when I said to myself, geez, it's six o'clock and Canada Post still hasn't dropped off that gas block. What's going on? I looked at the confirmation email or the tracking number again. It said by end of day Thursday. Sorry. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah. New Brunswick. Sorry. We're like the, the, the horses will get it there soon. Eventually. And don't forget the dog sled portion. Sled dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the Alberta tactical, um, right. Did you shoot it anyways? Cause you could shoot it single shot. I'm going to, yeah, Yeah, I'm going to, I'm taking the range Saturday to break in the barrel and, and whatever, who cares if the gas system is there or not. So, um, but yeah, the Alberta tactical rifle supply, modern sporter, uh, is, uh, just phenomenal. It is, uh, just like the SLR. It takes 100% air, 15 parts, actually more so like the SLR doesn't, or it, it takes an air trigger group, but you can't use a cassette trigger group because a cassette, the trigger group goes inside of a, um, trigger a housing thing, a housing, a cartridge. Yeah. So you put the, Pat. yeah, you put the, yeah, you, you never see, you don't see the pins that hold the hammer and trigger and sear into the receiver like you do with an air 15 or like you do with this one you don't see those pins they're contained inside a little cartridge that goes down inside the receiver and it's held in place with the screw so that's a little bit different other than that i mean it still uses an air trigger group and it Um, comes apart with one pin yeah if that matters to you i mean my hunting rifles don't come apart with one pin and both of these rifles well i'm using my slr as a three-gun rifle but the the slr is held together with a screw an actual bolt in the front of the receiver the there's zero play in the slr because it's on rails and it's tightened down with a screw so that's awesome mm-hmm. this one has a uh, fair amount of play in the upper and lower um, that means absolutely nothing to the accuracy of the rifle. Some people don't like the play. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, as I said, because it has nothing to do with accuracy. So, but you, uh, you push out the front takedown pin and then it just comes apart like a, like a regular AR-15. Uh, of course the upper and lower are not compatible with an AR-15. Um, I've got a phase five bolt carrier group in there, a Geisley G2 trigger, um, I've got the cool charging handle in the mail for it. I put a Vortex Viper um, HST 4 to 16 by 44 on there. Coda Evolution carbon fiber handguard, which I had put on my um, uh, SLR, but it's quite large. Like the diameter of it is, it's big, man. Hmm. It looks yeah. like it belongs on, a, on an AR-10, not an AR-15, but the but the uh, the barrel nut is definitely you know for an AR-15, so that's not going to happen. But um, it's okay that I got it on here. I mean, this is a 19-inch barrel, and it's a fairly heavy barrel, so having this lightweight handguard kind of helps knock some weight off of the rifle. Uh, I haven't actually thrown it on the scale yet, but it's uh, it's for sure seven and a half, eight pounds. Oh, it's every bit of eight pounds, actually, especially with this with the scope, know, rifle more. scope on there. Yeah. 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 But um, the, the quality is amazing. The fit and finish is amazing. Um, there, you know, you don't see any tool marks. The anodizing looks good and strong. Uh, it's got a custom serial number that has my name incorporated into it. The selector, um, switch indicators are a P sign in the middle finger because F U that's why. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting out and shooting it. 
And I'm very much looking forward to the day where I can get multiple uppers set up for it. So, well, uh, New Brunswick has a new thing now coming soon where you March can take 2020 March. That's as, as soon as it's coming. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah, the dates in the letter. So we've talked about this many times on the show before. New Brunswick has caliber restrictions for the varmint season where you are not allowed to use anything larger than a 224. So in New Brunswick terms, that basically translates to a 22250 is the largest caliber rifle you're allowed to carry outside of big game season. That's going away because caliber restrictions are dumb. We really actually, dumb, yeah. Yeah, the, the New Brunswick hunting regulations say that you can hunt large game with any, any center fire caliber. So think of the smallest center fire caliber, like 22 Hornet, and you could go shoot a moose with that legally. Of course, you would not. Um, but you Because were there's the shoot. 17 Hornet. Right. So yeah. you could shoot a moose with the 17 Hornet a couple of hundred times. But you could not shoot a coyote outside of large game hunting season with a 308. It's just, just completely ridiculous. So common sense. We have the conservative government in here in, in now. So, you know, they're putting some common sense back into things. Except for our local hospital, which are slowly shutting down. But this is a gun show. Um, yeah. So that means that this, this, this could become a new truck gun. I mean, my SLR always could have been, but uh, the WK is supposed to be. I don't know why it's on my wall. Oh, because I have to sight it in. Yeah, so the WK has got to get sighted in and then get put back there. So, anyway. Bring it, bring it down at Christmas. We'll go to the outdoor range and sight it in. Um, and I was thinking, <laughs> well, I was thinking the uh, the indoor range, too, actually. Actually, we can do it at the indoor range. Yep. But it's only 25 yards. It is, but we could, you sight know. it in. Just figure yeah, out what well, your holdover is. and Like, if I didn't make it to the range between now and then, I would at least use that indoor range, Annie, what, for breaking in the barrel, right? Mm-hmm. When you gotta, if, if I was going to do the traditional way of shoot one, clean it, and do that, you know, repeat five times, then shoot five shots and clean it and do that until I go through 50 uh, rounds, that's definitely better to do indoors when you're trying to clean and work with solvents as opposed to outside. In the cold. So, yeah. And the wind. But I'm going to make a fire and go inside one of the buildings at the range on Saturday. So other Trevor, I think it's going to join me. All right, Adriel, what are we uh, doing? Two questions for you. One, Luke was asking what match are you guys talking about? Some Christmas PCC match? No, it's uh, a level two indoor Ipsic match at the AMA indoor range in Dartmouth. There we go. It's becoming a PCC match. It is becoming a PCC <laughs> match. It's, yeah, all, At least all in our minds. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if you want to win overall, it's a PCC match. Right. <laughs> and then uh, Tom was asking about uh, status on the CCFR RSO program. Uh, I've got a conference call in December with my other two master learning facilitators so that we can iron out some of the details. Like I've asked the office to create a training database. So I've got to check back with them and see if that's done because I want to know who trained who, when, where, etc. And mm-hmm. then have them do the logistics of once the instructor puts on a course, um, we need to figure out the logistics of payment, you know, um, and I want instructors handling money. I'd like to see students pay the CCFR office directly and then the instructor get reimbursed expenses after the fact. Um, I want the instructor to just basically fill out a spreadsheet and send it to the office and then the office will mail out certificates and RSO patches. So that's where we're at. We got trained, and I have not had time to do anything 
else since. There were some preliminary talks prior to our training about the logistics of administering the course, but then the shooting season happened and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not even apologetic for it. My shooting comes first. I got into shooting to shoot and yeah, I'm into advocacy and yeah, I'm into running matches and stuff, but if I can't shoot guns, I'm going to go do something else. So now that the shooting season is over while well, the indoor season has started, but that's only one, 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 uh, match a month. Um, and I haven't started teaching our old classes yet for Ipsic. So anyway, December, a couple of conference calls are going to happen between me and Greg and, and Sean, to iron out those details, let the office know what we need for support. And then hopefully um, we will get out there and start teaching and certifying instructors. When we took our course, we became master learning facilitators and we will train local facilitators and they will train RSOs. So are you guys going to do any training in Alberta next year? Yeah, we're going to have to. Yeah. Sean, Sean's got that part of the country. Um, Greg's going to do Ontario and I'm going to do Atlantic Canada. Cool. And then if one of those guys, oh, and I'm, yeah, uh, Newfoundland needs me to get over there. They've been asking monthly, when are you coming? So, yeah, Sean will be your guy. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. For myself, I went hunting. I saw a coyote chasing a rabbit. That was kind of neat. I was like in a, a cool. tree stand. Way up. I've, yeah, I've, I haven't seen that before either. And I, I saw this rabbit coming along and I saw a coyote right behind him and I pulled up my rifle and the coyote bolted <laughs> it just like ignored the rabbit like nope i'm out <laughs> yeah i just i i didn't make like hardly any sound and it still heard it even it was as it was running after that rabbit but uh i would like to have got a shot off on him and then i saw a deer and i missed a deer i saw a deer uh it was kind of on this plateau uh with a appropriate backdrop I thought it was at the front of the plateau. It was actually at the back, and uh, that was uh, a hundred yard difference. I have like a oh my. Uh, I have like a pre printed out map of the area with like all the dif- different distances and and like landmarks kind of pre pre uh, ranged and and on this map. I didn't yeah, have that's anything a, up there. Google Earth lets you, or maybe you didn't use Google Earth, but there's so many tools available now to do something. If you know where Google you're Google Maps will do it. Google Maps will yeah. do it where you can you you hold down a pin on on your location and then you say measure distance and then you can drag it around and you can get all these distances at, hard to do when there's a deer that's like kind of like walking across and you're like you gotta you gotta make it happen soon now i have a i have a range finder but it's like a a crappy bushnell 600 and the 600 yeah. is not how far it ranges because it it's lucky <laughs> to get like 300 uh mirror at the other end on a clear day it might do 600 right <laughs> yeah 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 mirror a perfect mirror uh yep. so uh so i bought another i, I bought a new rangefinder. i had reviewed uh, actually tom tommy uh tommy uzi's range finder uh he had lent me his uh, his six sig uh kilo 2k kilo 2000 uh, and i went looking online i was actually i think uh tenda had some sales on on these new and I'm like, oh man, those are really good. I wonder if there's any used out there. And sure enough, yeah, there's some used ones out there at fantastic prices. So I picked this guy up for 450 bucks. And those are really good. They're supposed to be very good. At a reflective, like a a, a barn or something like that. I'll, I'll get like three thousand with this. And Damn. on like a hill or something like that, like a thousand plus. So um, I'm good on deer with this. The other thing I didn't know about this one. I don't think it was part of that SIG 2000. This guy actually does, um, uh, ballistics on it. 
So on your phone, you go type in what cartridge you're using, velocity, yada, yada, yada. And then that thing, your phone Bluetooth links over to this guy. And then this guy knows about the ballistics on your rifle. So then you go and you lay something and it says, here's the distance and go up this many MOA. So if you have a, a, a rifle with turrets on it, you dial it in and uh, away you go. So that was... I think, uh, <clears throat> I think those will inter- interact with the Kestrel software they too. They will, yeah. They will yeah. talk with the Kestrel. I won't get really, Kestrel Really good stuff. Yet. It's it's getting to a point where it, it's uh, it, it's very easy to use. The blue like Bluetooth is is usually pretty spotty and pretty crappy, but uh, this thing you hit the button and then you say like you connect on the phone and it's going. It's it's connected. So uh, very quick and uh, looking good so far. I'm gonna I, I still haven't gotten it out to uh, to lay some stuff, but I'm gonna do so this weekend and uh, see if I can't connect on a long range shot. Get that. Uh, Take a deer at long what range. What rifle? What were you? What were you using? I was using an, an Axis for that. Uh, an Axis in 308. Um, Accuracy is good enough with it, uh, but uh, ranging. You need the like the difference between 300 and 400 is is just too big through a scope. It kind of all looks the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, and then I did some long range shooting with a stag 10 and that, uh, Kdex sheepdog at, uh, right around 450 meters. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Lots of, uh, lots of smack and steel. Uh, both of them are very, like very easy to hit. That stag 10 had an IBI barrel on it. So I was just hammering the steel with that. Uh, sheepdog. 308. Yep. Yep. Just did yep. 308. Yep. And, uh, that was nice. And then I got this uh so this this is a uh so for the audio listeners it's a it's a phone arm thingy so uh the whole idea with this is that i can stick my phone in here and i can do the uh uh, overhead so i can do the overhead uh on the desktop kind of thing and record that or do some other kind of video with it so should see some uh, some more interesting video from me using that guy uh, and I signed up for another range. Uh, so I'm a member of Chaz here in Edmonton, uh, which I'm still going to do lots of stuff with them. But uh, Sherwood Park is uh, going to be opening up their stuff here. So I'm uh, going to join that range too. They do some like ORPS and, uh, and that kind of thing. So I figured uh, with doing Maple Seed at Chaz and Sherwood Park and all over the place, I might as well just get another one. It's no closer. It's like, I actually looked on Google Maps, and uh, it's like 50 minutes to Chaz, <laughs> 52 minutes to Sherwood Park. They're in totally opposite directions, and I'm, I'm like right in the middle right here. It's a rule. It'd be nice if one of them was a little bit closer, but they're both the same distance. <laughs> I'm, I belong to like three, four ranges, and they're all, they're all in different directions, and they're all the same distance away. Yeah. Yeah, but you kind of live in the sticks. Yes. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not the complaining. Only... That sounded no, like no. complaining. I'm not complaining. Yeah. A little, maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. Cool. All right. Well, that's what, uh, what's the ORPS, Adriel? That's that uh, uh, 22 rimfire, 100 meters and in precision oh. rifle shooting. Yeah. I've told you about this. Told you to get your 597 set up for it. I forgot the name of it. Yeah. You were supposed to take my 597 and compare it to yours. We forgot oh, again. I forgot again. Well, why don't why? I bring my 597? 
No, no, it's, we're learning about accuracy. He's not getting into group the way mine does. Uh, uh, so, Andy, I will take mine when I come down for the Christmas match, and Saturday morning we'll go to Nantux. And try again. No, I did it on purpose. <laughs> okay, that's a, if you did it on purpose, that's fine. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we'll take them. Uh, yeah, we'll start with that. Okay. Cool. Plan. Cool. Yeah, a five nine sounds are fine. I got a couple twenty twos. I think I've got like seven or eight. So <laughs> yeah. I should uh, I should shoot a sport that uses twenty twos. Yep. <laughs> Seems like a a good fit. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Upcoming events. Uh, the 10th annual podcast network charity shoot will be at the rescue gun club Saturday, July 4th registration and payment will be through practice score. It's a very reasonable $25 too reasonable. Trevor, we should jack that really? price up way up. Yeah. I don't way know. Up? I have no idea. What, a, what did we pay you, this year? You, you run more events in, uh, in New Brunswick than I do. I don't know what locals will pay for this stuff. Nah, 25 bucks is a pretty standard match fee. Nova Scotia is still only charging $20 for a match. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, let's see. We're going to shoot uh, a mini steel challenge match with a 22 pistol, 22 rifle, PCC, or handgun. We're going to do a half round of trap. One self-serve pistol bay will be set up for steel. So you can do stuff there. And maybe there'll be call outs on that steel bay where you can like... you got to pay for the privilege to call somebody out though. And then you get recorded that you beat them. Is that the yep. idea? All the bragging rights. Mm-hmm. It goes mm-hmm. on your permanent record. goes on your permanent <laughs> record. We'll upload it to Ipsic. I don't know how, but it's going up there. <laughs> yeah, it's like the time that you uh, walked your friend across the play yard like a wheelbarrow. That's on there, too. <laughs> it'll, it'll go there right next to that. Uh, all right. Let's now, head that's to the news. an obscure reference. I wonder if anybody will get. Too obscure. Yeah. Too obscure. I usually get your references. I didn't get that one. Simpsons. Yeah. Well, in the news, uh, yeah, New Brunswick, New Brunswickers will soon be able to head out into the woods with something bigger than a pea shooter, a, a poodle gun, yeah, and uh, <laughs> they'll be able to use whatever they want to. Uh, There's some real weird howling in Ontario. That was kind of right. But you know what? It's just a wolf. Yeah, it's just a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Of course, it's just a wolf. It might be a wolf with throat cancer, but it's still <laughs> just a wolf. <laughs> Yeah, thro- a, a wolf with a really sore throat, real sore, scratchy. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. Uh, and then Nikon's getting out of shooting scopes. Well, you know, and soon next it'll be Binos. Think so? Oh, there's just way too much competition, man. Vortex has killed them. There's the same way price. more money in cameras. There you go. Yeah. Yep. But Probably. with Vortex, uh, would you say, Andy, you're um, a uh, optic snob? You've got uh, yes. everything is really good for your optics, a lot of loophole stuff. Um, would you say that Nikon and Vortex are probably the same price point, same product? Without having owned either one, I, I mean, uh, I guess. Like, yeah, no, no, that's cool. Like yeah. you walk in as a customer and you go, okay, that's an icon, that's a vortex. Yeah, where's the loopholes? Right. And I think exactly the, right. and yeah. so I think what's killed Nikon, I think how Vortex killed Nikon is the same way Dylan is killing everything else. They just, oh, you ran over it. That's fine. Here's here's a new one. Yeah, the yeah. warranty. The warranty is definitely uh, one of the things that's. Uh, 
I think it's it's been good because it's kind of pressured the whole industry because the whole industry's like warranty wasn't very good before. Uh, I don't know if I really like the idea of like unlimited lifetime warranty, like on the Dylans, because it encourages people to do stupid things. I've taken advantage of, of that warranty, by the way, <laughs> but, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel that way. It encourages people to do stupid things because you, they know that if they break it, they're covered. Yeah. I mean, someone lights their scope on fire, uh, they cover it. And the next scopes are a little bit more expensive or don't have as good a quality in them because of that guy. You're paying for other people's stupidity. I don't. I. I. No, Dylan's I don't. could be cheaper. Dylan's could be cheaper, but because they cover absolutely everything under every circumstance, you pay. I a wonder bit how more. much. How much of their, you know, gross intake? How much? How many percent of their warranty repair costs? Uh, you know what? How that affects the bottom line? I bet it's not very much. I bet it's not very much either, Andy. And 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 I see also that it, Dylan does not sit still. They come out with new product, and even the 650 that you have is not the 650 that I bought, and I didn't buy mine a decade earlier than yours. So they are constantly improving the quality of the parts on their machines. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, and that yep. square deal that I had was uh, was super duper old, like 10 years old, and they upgraded all the parts because they're like, we can't support this. So they just upgraded everything for free. Yeah. The I square mean, deal I use the most is from the 80s. There you go. <laughs> and it's awesome. It works yeah. great. Yeah. Until I got that 650, it was the press that got the most use. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you, Trevor. I think Vortex put Nikon out of, out of the scope business because Vortex is competing in the same price point. Yep. Uh, competing for the same customers and just more products, just destroying right now, and really yep. came out and of nowhere, right? I don't think Nikon was trying as hard. You know, no, they weren't. You, right from you the get go, they've been yeah. trying. Like in the last year or two, I've noticed that they've been putting reps out at uh, at some different events, oh, really? that kind of thing, but not mm-hmm. a lot, not as much as Vortex. The Vortex has really been cranking on the marketing, and I think uh, doing a better job on that side, definitely. You know who's next? Bushnell. Bushnell's got too much. Their scopes are not what they used to be. They've been around a long, long, long time. But they're elite. Like, I remember buying a 3200 Elite, and I thought I was, you know, the boss. They bought that, eh? They bought the the Elites from uh, Bosch and Loam, I believe, used to have oh, the really? Elites. They bought that line, yeah. Interesting. And just put their name on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I bought an Elite to put on my 17, my CZ rifle, and uh, it was blown out at, like, below cost. Like, the, I don't think they're doing super well either. And I've mm-hmm. got a $1,000 Bushnell Tactical Elite 5 to 25 by 50 on my uh, long-range rifle, and it was the first serious optic I bought at $1,000, and it's nowhere near the quality of my vortexes i'd replace it with a viper hst no problem and mm-hmm. would be better off for it forget the viper pst that i got i mean that one's more than a thousand dollars but it's also a heck of a lot more scope yeah. i think bushnell suffers as well from having uh, such a wide product range like they have really good high-end scopes like two thousand dollar scopes and then they also have fifty dollar garbage or less that gets packaged onto rifles and, and someone slaps a Bushnell name on it, even though it's a really big piece of crap. And I think that 
hurts their their brand image. Vortex doesn't do that. Vortex minimum is like Crossfire, and those are those are not the like fifty dollars scopes. No. Yeah, Bushnell's been so many different things over the years. It's such a huge product line, and you know, when I was a kid, Bushnell was kind of a budget scope. Then it was Bushnell by Bosch and Loam, and it was decent. Mm-hmm. Then it was crappy again for a few years. Then they came out with the elite stuff, and that was well regarded. Mm-hmm. And then now it's kind of you know it's up and down. It's almost like the names being sold to different people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell too be, because yeah. they keep changing the model numbers. That it's it's hard to tell what's a good scope and what's not a good scope. Yeah. Again, Vortex has a, a cleaner product line that's easier to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's either a diamond, a viper, or a. Um, What's the one above the Viper? In the red dots, it's the Venom, but in the uh, Razor. Oh, yeah. 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 If you go Razor, woo, nilly. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. So Nikon's out. Uh, new gun stuff. First one I'm going to show here. Oh, I got to load this up on Facebook. This is the PGW Dire Wolf. It is a semi automatic 338 Lapua. <laughs> heavens to betsy it looks heavy (laughs) that looks like a drawing that's not even a real gun so is this a concept uh introducing patent the patent pending pending, game changing available shortly for military and law enforcement and export to civilian users they're awaiting classification from the rcmp but i mean they'll sell internationally so they don't really care about that and uh but the receiver supports the fore end. <laughs> I think that's what it's happening there. The receiver is actually like jutting out and supporting the fore end because there's some yeah. there's some mass there. It's a concept <laughs> drawing. It might look different, but yes, maybe. Um, hey, you know what? They took a machine gun round, turned it into a sniper round, the 50 BMG, and then you know started to refine the ammo and refine the rifles. They've got a, a semi-automatic, right? The Barrett. This mm-hmm. makes more sense to me than that. Basing something off the 338. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 338 goes way out there and it, uh, there. it was designed from the ground up for mm-hmm. killing people at two kilometers. Yeah. There's no other semi 338. I believe there is, but this one's cool. Well, yeah. I think, I new. think Andy, there's an AR patterned rifle in 338. Uh, or is it, uh, yeah. Meg. Uh, maybe 300 oh, Meg. Anyways, oh. this is coming out. It's going to be silly expensive. Uh, the North Silva show went on this week, so there's a whole bunch of gun announcements that, uh, that kind of came with that. Uh, one of them was the Kodiak 180 NSR. It's a... Uh, actually, I should pull up a, a picture of this stupid thing. I linked to a video, and I can't pull up a video. Well, I can pull up a video while we're on stupid the stream. thing. People just people just hear the video playing at the same time. Hi, I'm Owen with Kodiak Defense. I'm here at North Silva Show. We're introducing our new rifle. And essentially, what what the the changes on this uh, on the Kodiak one one eighty is that it uses a charging handle. That's the biggest change, right? Well, it uses a AR charging handle. It already had a charging handle on the side of the receiver, so they've taken it from the side of the receiver and put it at the top of the receiver, where everyone loves the AR's location. However. Because this is a piston driven and because of the way the bolt is and because of the way the recoil springs are, you're not wrong, Adriel. This has made the receiver 
three and a half stories high, and now yeah. the symmetry and proportions of the rifle are screwy. Yeah, it's too tall. It is, yeah. Yeah. Imagine what the cheek weld is like. Cause no, you you'd, just... ha- you'd have to get a different optic. Like, this guy's got an, uh, a, a regular, it looks like a pepper uh, optics mount on there. You would have to use uh, something else. Low rings, like, uh, like slam that thing to the rail. Right, I mean, but that stock can have a comb put on it. Magpul sells a comb that goes on those stocks. If that was on there, you know, well, I guess maybe the average person who doesn't know black rifles wouldn't realize they're looking at something that's out of whack. Yeah. I mean, the advantage is that they closed up the sides, so there's no there's no slots to get in there. So if you're if you're fighting in a desert and you're you're worried about sand getting into if you're your rifle, fighting in a desert and you have this gun, use it on yourself. <laughs> oh man, I'm so salty about all the people who who, who like <laughs> complained about the slots on the side of this, and now they fixed it. And I think this this is not a step ahead, not on the rail at least. Like I don't care about a side change charging handle. I don't care that. Uh, there was these slots that are that were left in there. It was a better gun with the slots in there and not so tall, in my opinion. Right, but people hated the slot because, oh, the mud and dirt and stuff can get in there. Look, if you're crawling around in the mud and dirt and you chose this rifle, you're a Darwin Award waiting to happen. This is not the rifle you picked to go crawling around through the mud and dirt. Yeah. Well, at least uh, it's got a uh, an integrated brass deflector now, so that's kind of neat. Uh, I think they went ambi on the mag release too, which I don't care because I'm not a lefty. Uh, there was one <laughs> other thing they did. Nah, maybe that's... No, no I... the... Was that it? No, uh, they also have a bolt release on it now. Ah, uh, yeah, they use the RWS bolt release. I've got one of those too in, on mine. Okay, so they just yeah. built it to to incorporate theirs. They didn't even come up with their own. No, I th- I'm pretty sure that is the RWS uh, bolt release. Uh, okay, so then that means it's still in the wrong uh, kind of location. Yes. Yeah. If I could find. Yeah, it's still to... sweeping. It's sweeping towards the trigger instead of towards the stock, yeah. which means you can't reach it with your thumb while holding the pistol Correct. grip. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you can. You don't have to stick your finger up the magwell like you're giving it a prostate exam, right? Right. So you're. So you're basically. I mean, let's face it. You can't hit the bolt release on an AR without using your support hand either. So same idea. Correct. You put the mag in and you hit the uh, bolt release at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I I like all the improvements. I like that it comes with that bolt release, even though I think it should be swept back towards the stock. I mm-hmm. like that they closed up the sides of the receiver. I like that they gave a narrow charging handle, but I really don't like what they had to do to give it a narrow charging handle. They've made the rifle... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was too much. But other people might like it. Other, those people who, uh, who think that the slots make it... And it, I mean, it, it does make it more jam-proof, but if we just fight in dust and sand and stuff, which... I don't think I don't think any civilians in Canada are really doing that. Um, no. Yeah. BCL came out with a new rifle. A new 107. Or sorry, I've heard 102. 102. Mark 7. 102. Yeah. So yeah. I got a little inside insider baseball on this. Yeah. There um, there was a thing about drawings not being correct 
and so that's why the parts weren't correct. And the drawings have been uh, drawings prepared. and playing with uh, ejection profiles and gas and a bunch, a whole bunch of stuff that was causing issues. Mm-hmm. Version all been sorted. Version. version. Yep, um, it's all been sorted now. Apparently, the uh, Troy. Troy is made off the original drawings. So I don't know if Troy sorted it or if the Troys that are out there are going to end up having the problems that the early generation BCLs had. I don't but think so. I've, Do you know I've why? said before, why? Because Troy made Troy? it. Yeah. Right, because Troy made it. It's fine. They just <laughs> they used a, an off-the-shelf uh, BCG and, uh, and it just works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've said before, I'll say it again, the new BCLs that we have at the shop are not the same as the first BCLs that I saw or handled. So, I mean, I've already got my 308 AR. Mm-hmm. I don't need one, but if I didn't, this would be fine straight out the box, you know. Well, and the other thing they're doing is they're doing a, a Mark 7X. Is it the X or the R? They're doing a fancier version that comes with, they, they introduced a new trigger pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that comes in it. And they also have a... Uh, uh, an IBI barrel from the factory. That's been a long time. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that, but IBI was making the barrels for them for a long time. Um, doesn't matter how I know that, but I, I know that. Hmm. Anywho, cause those are both new. Uh, is this the mini? Oh, this is so cute. Yeah. I got to pull, I've got to put that on screen. The mini Mosin, <laughs> the single shot, uh, 22 Mosin. It looks oh, so cool. Single shot. They couldn't have made it like, you know, a little internal mag. I think they modeled it after, like they used a single shot action uh, from the from the donor rifle, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a, it's a really nice looking scaled down Mosin. Mm, beautiful looking. It's it's well, I don't, a great looking reproduction of a, of a really terrible rifle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Mosin. I, I like them, but. Is it seven six two by fifty four? No, it's a twenty two rimfire. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're making a, a mini one. Speaking of twenty two rimfire, if you guys want, like, so everyone's been been going all crazy about the GSG sixteens, but Chris is now coming out with a Chris Vector twenty two, and because of the length of the package on this thing, and if oh you God. pin the stock, you can get a super short. Like original barrel length Chris Vector, non restricted though. Right, because on a semi automatic rimfire, there is no barrel length requirement. That 18 and a half inches applies to center fire semi automatics, mm-hmm. so rifles and shotguns. But for rimfire, no capacity and no barrel length. Mm-hmm. Now so, we still have the overall length though, right? Yes, so 20, that's they had, to, they had to make it so that the stock doesn't fold or they had to do something with the stock either not fold it or pin it or, or something oh yeah it's, it's it's a non-folding stock on it um which normally chris's uh fold um but this okay, one is doesn't. it wrong that i don't want a, an original chris in 9 or 45 but i do want this it's not wrong because this is a really cool 22 they're 750 bucks so but they're really cool and for whatever reason, they did bring some in with like really long barrels, like 16-inch barrels, but you can fold the stock. I don't know who wants this thing. I no don't. One. I would want the, I want the one short barrel, the cool one. 
Yeah. Anyways, Crazy. that's really cool. Uh, another one that got announced and they're bringing it to Canada uh, shortly here is the IWI Tavor 7, which is the 308 Tavor. This is a long time coming. I held this at the North Silva show in 2018. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the holdup's been, but is it? Uh, Tavor had to work on some stuff. Tavor or IWI, um, they said it wasn't wearing the way that they wanted it to. So they had to redesign something in there. Okay, uh, so it wasn't only us that didn't get it; it just wasn't on the market. Period. Yeah, for that was the initial delay. Then it was delayed for getting into Canada. Now they're starting to come into Canada. What do you think, Andy? That's something that trips your trigger. You you yeah, have I, a Tavor. I'd, I'd like to uh, see one. Yeah, find it interesting. I'm, you know, I'm pretty impressed with the Tavor that I have. It'd be a real compact hunting rifle, right? Yep. But. I like okay, so so heavy. It's so heavy. so heavy. It's oh, three yeah. grand. I think I can get. I think I can. I don't think I can make th- like a much better rifle in a stag tin for this for still a thousand dollars off. Right? Are you sure? Well, you for can make a nice grand? stag ten. You can make a nicer gun in a in a two thousand dollars stag ten. You can buy a stag ten for two grand off the shelf. Okay. That'll be a better shooting rifle than this one at three grand, but not as compact. Yeah, so it is uh, super heavy and it is uh, expensive. It's three grand probably before you um, do anything to it. Would have been cool. Like conversation, did do we know how heavy it is? um, Well, I've I've held it, Andy, and I'm sure that once an optic is on there, it's in the thirteen pound range. Yeah, yep. she's she beefy, man. Mm-hmm. But it would be compact because with even with a twenty-inch barrel on there, it's going to be more compact than what you could get out of a yep, stag sure. because it's got sure, yeah, you know, it's bullpup. Yeah, I mean, you think about the size of the stag receiver set. Put the receiver extension on, then a nineteen-inch barrel. Oof. This says nine pounds. Lies, <laughs> unless unless they've done a lot of trimming since uh, I held one a year ago because. I mean, that sucker was heavy. Well, the one you held was was very early. Nine pounds. Nine pounds is is the spec online. That's not that heavy. No, it's not. I mean, this sucker here, I'm holding up my Stag 10 uh, with the optic, no ammo. It's 11 pounds. It's so heavy. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not intended for what uh, our buddy Steven is doing with his lightest... He's building an AR-10 Adriel that weighs more than most people's AR-15s. Weighs more than it, most less. people's? No, less. Less. That makes yes. sense. Yeah. Carbon fiber, everything. Uh, I mean, it's possible. It's just... There's a reasonable gun weight, right? Like 10 pounds and under, reasonable. Yep. And if you can get something in six for hunting, fantastic. Doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's just I nice. mean... I wouldn't want to pack this around for yeah. kilometers and kilometers, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, I've lugged a heavy gun around Newfoundland a lot. I didn't mind it. it was, yeah, you know, well, you heavy. You're, okay. You're, you're not. Uh, you're not a lightweight either, though. You know what I mean? It's not like. Yeah, percentage-wise, you know, it wasn't very heavy. Right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like Matthew McClatchy had to carry it around. That would be entirely different. So. Yeah. Uh, the next one here is uh, the Bursa Thunder 380, which is kind of like a Walter PPK lookalike. 
380 long barrel sticking out the end and uh, tactical imports bring those in. Dang. Yeah, looks like a PPK. It looks cheap. Uh huh. Yeah. <sighs> it's 450. That's pretty cheap. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Mm-hmm. So if you want like a James Bond pistol, there's your option. Yep. Uh, and one of the things like with 3D printing out, I think one of the cool things that we've been seeing is uh, a lot of people have been 3D printing different parts. So these these GSG 15s. Um, originally there was there was a GSG that looked like the MP5. It was prohibited because hey, no MP5 variants. Uh, so we've got the GSG 16 in, and people turned around and 3D printed and modded all these parts to fit on them to make them look just like MP5s, anyways. <laughs> this is such a, a middle finger to the RCMP Firearms Lab because remember they prohibited the Mossberg AK 47 Blaze, which mm-hmm. is just a Mossberg Plinkster wrapped in clamshell molded plastic to give the overall appearance of an AK 47. They wouldn't let that in. So Moss- here's a Mossberg guys. Blaze to look. Yeah, Mossberg Blaze. It's not yeah. a Plinkster. The Plinksters use a... Oh, Blaze. Right. Yeah. Why would I yeah. call it a yeah 47 Blaze and then... Anyway, so yeah, they won't let that in because it's wrapped in plastic to look like mm-hmm. an AK. Um, and then they turn around and they make their GSG-16s look like MP5s. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So be, be, people have been... Um, there's a couple of people on CGN that are they're 3d printing some like rail deletes from the top so that you can uh, just not have top rail go all the way uh, out to the front and been putting all, all sorts of weird like airsoft stuff and 3d printed stuff and all sorts of weird stuff to their, uh, their GSG 16s to make them look cool. I'd support this. Yeah. Yeah. As and long then, as it's not too cheesy. Also, mm-hmm. um, if you're going to take a photo of your gun on the ground, please, uh, please, Keep your feet out of the photo. Oh, you don't know Reddit. That's that's like a prerequisite. <laughs> oh, is it a Reddit thing? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last one, I just saw this one just before we started the show here. Uh, this is the Double Shoot app. And it. <laughs> this is like, we're living in the future. You, uh, If you have a Meprolite Foresight site whatever that one is i think it's like a, a red dot site that you can tr- control with your phone you you shoot a bunch of shots at your target you go up and you take a picture of it with your phone and your phone zeroes your site what yeah your phone talks to your site and it's like yo up to right one done magic <clears throat> magic and future technology there's a lot of potential for trouble with that Oh yeah, because <laughs> I think the the whole oh, cool. site on that thing's electronic. I think it's like a, uh, it's not necessarily that it's moving anything inside. I think it's just all digital, like a full mm-hmm. digital display that's just reflecting off the thing. Anyhow, that's uh, that's neat. Any other comments about those? Any of the new gun stuff? No, nah, man. It's Let's good. head into the main topic. So for our main topic, we're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, something that's not futuristic, uh, black powder. I, I, I'm all powders black though. Like my tight group's black. Is that black powder? I just like get a get a funnel and scoop some in the front of my barrel and then stuck a stick a bullet behind it. Does I guess. Work? I guess yeah. technically it's black. Yeah. More specifically, muzzle loading hunting because that was a listener requested topic. Ah, so that makes sense. 
Some yeah. provinces you can go early with a muzzle loader, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You could do that here. Yeah. Oh. It's a couple couple weeks early and a couple weeks late too. Ah. Yeah. Advantages on both ends. Yeah. So, so you can get a, a real stringy, worn out, terrible deer at the end <laughs> of two right. weeks after the season closes. Yeah. yeah. Don't forget it'll, it'll stink too. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, anyway. like, what do what do people use? Do they do they just go grab grab like a, a Hawken uh, replica? With a, a ball and a and a patch and and they they hunt with those or like what do, what do people don't forget use the powder days? horn and a powder horn. horn yeah yeah um, and do you wear buckskin like from top to bottom when you do this Andy I think you have to it's that's really none of up. your business <laughs> <laughs> I got too personal my bad cross some lines most of the uh, the few people I know that muzzle load loader hunt have a an inline type rifle what's inline is, mean looks like a modern rifle inline ignition it, uh, it has a bolt you, you put the primer in where the cartridge would normally go there's the nipples in there but you still have to load it from the muzzle and uh it's got a scope you know looks like a remington 700 or whatever and uh they work great i, I don't know that i've ever seen any of your muzzle loading firearms do you have more than one oh just got the one. Just got yep. the one? Okay. Yep. Yours is a and bolt? It, is it like that Savage it, Bolt one that uses the non or the sm- uh, smokeless powder? Oh, I've got a I've got a Hawken. Um is it, it nearby? Was, uh, it was actually given to me. Um it's got a it's a 54 cal. Hmm. Um It was That's a kit. Fancy, man. Oh yeah, boy. Um a friend of mine friend of ours friend of my, my wife and i uh his father his office staff gave him this one year as a christmas gift in it was kit, kit form yeah it's a top thompson center hawken it was kit and there are some of those kits andy that uh, the rsmp don't consider firearms couldn't tell you yeah no that's a thing but anyway we'll look at that another time anyway uh he brought it over to my place years ago before the gun registry was in, actually. And he wanted to build the kit. His father had never done anything with it. Like, his father got it in the 70s. Wow. They stopped offering the kits a long time ago. Uh, um, they brought them back in. You yep, can, you can get Hawk. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They, but, yeah, they did stop for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, brought it over. He never did anything with it. The gun registry came in. I registered it because I it was in my house. So it basically became mine. And... uh Maybe 10 years ago, 20, 15 years ago, I put it together. Possession um, is nine-tenths of the law, so if it was in your well, house, yeah. it's yours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Note to um, self, never leave anything in Andy's. So <laughs> you always leave something in my place. <laughs> right? This time I thought it was my boots. Yeah, yeah. Um, the kit was cool. It All the inletting is done in the stock, but there's no finish on it. Um, the barrel is not blued or finished. It's It's milling marks on it um the lock the trigger and the lock and the hammer that's all one that's all finished and done they don't want you messing with that um so it was basically a a, a stock refinishing project and you know s- polished the barrel and blew it sort of thing here in the uh, new ones uh, the new kits i hear that they're a lot rougher and that there's a lot more uh well, woodwork that rough, needs to I go mean- on there were still tool marks in the barrel and it had to be blue. That's <laughs> yeah. how much rougher can it get? 
and the inletting was done on the stock, but the, the stock wood was, you know, very rough. You had mm-hmm. to do a lot of sanding and, and filing and finishing. Anyway, it turned out nice. I finished it with true oil and blued the barrel with coal blue. Um, you know, it turned out nice. Uh, so I took it hunting a couple years ago. Um, went up to the, you know, went up to the, the stand. It was a beautiful, uh, sunny afternoon in mid-September. Maybe it was the first day of muzzleloader season. Might have been two days in. I'm not sure. And I, I just... I said, I'll just go up and look, see if anything's eating the apples, and I'll take the muzzleloader with me, because I can. I th- you know, wearing a t-shirt, I think, and uh, sat down, and, uh, well, along comes a deer. And that's how these stories always go. Really nice eight-point buck. And uh, before I tell you any more, let me tell you about getting ready, getting the gun ready to go hunting. So when you fire these things, you're using black powder or fake black powder, which is what I use. Uh, it's called triple seven. Yeah, that stuff's still around. It, it's just a little cleaner than real black powder, I guess. Now and it's easier to measure out, right? Powder. Don't do you use the the little like pre-formed pellets that you just chuck in there. No, no, this is loose powder. We're not mm. going that modern. Yeah. No, Andy. Uh, is it the black powder that's corrosive, or is it the primers and that are corrosive? No, the residue from the powder itself is. And, uh, uh, is triple seven also the same as? Yes, but uh, from what I understand, to a lesser degree. Okay, but it still requires immediate cleaning. You've got to clean it after you, you know, the, the same day you fire it, basically, okay. with soap, soapy water, hot water. Yeah. Um, you use hot water so that it'll dry out faster, and you don't want it to rust. And actually, ballastol in the water um, works great because it uh, it dissolves in water and it yeah. also prevents corrosion. So anyway, after you fire these, you have to clean them and then you have to oil them because you've cleaned it with water. So when you go to load it again, there's probably some oil in the nipple or the passage, the flash hole from the nipple to the barrel. That the When you fire the primer, that's where the fire goes through and ignites the powder. And the... The proper practice is to fire a few caps, you know, with no load in the barrel to make sure that passage is blown out and clear. I didn't want to do that because the caps make a little bit of a mess on the outside of the gun. You have to clean that, too. So I just thought, ah, I'll just blow it out with compressed air really well, and that'll be fine. You know, it'll be fine. So I did that, loaded it, took it up in the woods there, and uh, saw that this beautiful deer, nice eight-point buck, young buck. So I, he stops at, a, he's 30 yards away, and he's standing there, perfect perfect broadside shot. So I'm sitting down, I've got a nice, I brace my elbow on my knee, perfect shot. This gun's got a really nice set of sights on it. Uh, you know, line up on the, the spot behind the shoulder there, and, uh, you know, fire it, and it goes bang, but it, it's just a little bang. It's like about the sound of the loudness of a cap gun. If any of you guys are too, did you guys have cap guns? Yeah, of course we had cap guns. Every year at Christmas, I, I get know. a new set of cowboy six shooters with holsters awesome. and everything. About that loud, maybe a little louder, because the, the primer's on the outside. It's not like a squib in a centerfire gun where you don't even hear the primer. It, caps on the outside makes quite a bit of noise, but that's all. It didn't set the powder charge off. So. Uh, I'm thinking, well, this there, that's ruined. But the deer just stood there and looked. He looked around a little bit, but 
wasn't didn't really bother him. So so you gotta you gotta cock the hammer back, click. It makes a real loud click, and you can hold the trigger to uh, prevent that. But I probably didn't at that time because I was now a little In wound a up. Yeah. Yeah. So then you got to dig out your little tool that holds the primers. First, you got to get the old primer off the nipple. It's smashed on there by the hammer. You got to pick that off. Then you've got this little tool that's quite small and holds a bunch of primers. Put a new primer on. Cock the hammer. Aim again. Deer still standing there. This deer deserved to die, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Fire again. Bang. Gun doesn't go off again. I'm disappointed. So, well, might as well try again. So go through the whole procedure again. Deer still standing there. He looked around again, but, and I'm only 30 yards away from him and I'm moving, I'm loading this gun, right? I'm putting a new cap on. You're doing him a favor. Yep. He deserved to die. So third time, bang, darn, didn't go off again. Start to bring the gun down. Boom. It was a hang fire. It did eventually go off, but I had, well, I figured I missed the deer, but deer goes down and he's thrashing around on the ground. I have no idea where I hit it. So I'm thinking, well, I've got to load this thing now because, you know, I've got a wounded deer here. So you, you've got these, you know, I'm, I'm into this. So I've got these speed loaders. It's a little plastic cartridge dealy that holds your powder your ball your patch your primer and it also acts as your ball starter to load the next ball into the gun so i open up my speed loader get my ball out get my patch out put the patch over the muzzle push the ball in get the ramrod out of the gun that's under the barrel push the ball all the way down in there and at that oh, point no. i realized i hadn't put any powder in the oh, gun. No. classic <laughs> classic muzzle loader mistake right and you know, hey, I'm an Ipsic shooter. I know how to work under pressure, right? <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm screwed now with this gun. This gun is tied up. Can't can't make it work. Fortunately, the deer died. I hit him in the spine above the shoulder. It, as I was bringing the butt of the gun down, it went off, and I, I happened to hit him in the spine, which, he, you know, he died in five less than five minutes. But, uh, you know, that could have been... Huh. Could have been you, you know, with a boot knife. It could have been all, you know, and he had big antlers. And he was thrashing around good. Anyway, yeah. it worked out, but that, not. You're I, really you know, selling this black powder idea. This hunting with black powder. deserved to yeah. die, but I didn't deserve to get it. But I got it anyway. And it was, man, it was the best tasting deer that early in the season. It was it's the best oh, yeah. deer I ever got. Before they so get anyway, all rutted up. I'd, I'll never make that mistake again. I'd like to say, but. Uh, that's, uh, I guess they call it dry balling. That sounds dirty, but it uh, <laughs> sounds like something Gallon made up. Yeah. What do you do when you dry ball it? Well, you got to you got to get that ball out. You can. Um, one method is to unscrew the nipple, and you can get like one grain of powder in there at a time, and you can fill up that little passage, and then put a cap on, and that's enough to shoot the ball out. Mm-hmm. What I did was I trying to remember i used a wood screw somehow on the end of a of a rod and then screwed into the of a rod of some sort i don't remember how i got the wood screw on there but all I, it was easy to screw into the ball and just pull it out it was easy easier than i expected but uh yeah so that's that's the one animal i've shot with a muzzle loader and that's uh yeah i'll do better next time but it was 
it, it was, it sure knocked that deer down. I'll tell you that. Uh, and you're saying you're good. using a, a ball, a patched ball, a, a round, a round lead ball. Um, you don't have to do that. You can use a, sa- a sabo and a, and a more of a conventional bullet. It's just it's just a, a 54 caliber lead ball, 225 grains. Uh, I, in preparation for the show, I went to the range and chronographed uh, chronographed this gun, and it's uh, three shots. I mean, I was I only did three shots. I was it's a lot of work, man. <laughs> reloading these things. Um, <laughs> Average velocity for three shots was uh, 1817, 1817, which is about the year that you'd be hunting with this thing, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, it's cooking. That's faster than I expected. I really didn't know what to expect for velocity. I could have looked it up, but I wanted to be surprised. Um, so I have it, I have it uh, zeroed at 50 yards. And at 100, I, I fired uh, three shots at 100, and it was... I mean, it was. They're open sights, and they're not very precise. They're nice, but they're. It's like a. Buck, it's like a, buck a valley, kind of a valley, a tapered U on the on the rear sight, and a and a, the blade has a round profile to it on the front. So you, it's hard to be exact. But anyway, the group, the group was four or five inches in diameter, but it was about four inches long at a hundred. So, I don't think I'd shoot any further than a hundred with it without a lot of practice. Yeah, that was my next question. How? Yeah. What's your comfort zone with this firearm? Right now, just in the bush, up close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now you say with practice. So, if you like, would you weigh your balls after they're cast? <laughs> Jesus, would you ensure that yeah. all of your ammunition weighs the same to like hope once, that your group once a in? year on my birthday? Um, <laughs> you got to make sure that they're concentric. So you got to roll roll them around I in your hand. These are pre-made. I'd, I've cast some ball. I have a mold for this, and I've cast some. I've never fired any. These are these are balls, swaged balls from Hornady. Okay. Um, pretty con- weighed, pretty consistent. I never I weighed them. Checked, haven't checked. Oh, I weighed wow. one to see how heavy they were. And it was two twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I've the powder. You do powder in a black powder firearm by volume rather than weighing it. Mm-hmm. So you take your. This is my. You have a powder horn, but mine's made of brass. That's full of powder. You open your little powder measure. You fill that, and you close it, and that cuts the top off it so it's uniform. And you pour that in the in the barrel. Um, or yeah, do the, the little pre-made dealies that you got there. You can use – people use pellets too, yeah. Um, yeah. I have no experience with those at all. I use pellets with, with an inline. I, I had an yeah. inline, and used those uh, – those triple seven pellets. I like that because you just count oh, to yeah. potato, right? Two. Put yep. two of those in there. Put yep. a, a a mini on top or a sabo round, and right. uh, away you go. A lot of the sabos, I think they use like forty five caliber pistol rounds. Yeah, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah. yeah. And so no, I'm uh, using I'm using a hundred like the granular powder. You can fine tune your load. More, yeah. I guess yeah. if you're into it, right? Um, I'm using a hundred grains. I don't know why. Um, and uh, you can use, you can go a little higher with this gun, they say. So I could probably get a little more velocity out of it. But it, I mean, it's a round ball; it uh, slows down pretty quick. The ballistic coefficient of a round ball is horrible. I think it's like point zero six or something like that. <laughs> um, but you know, the the fifty four caliber ball, it does a good job because it, you know, it makes a bigger hole, 
which lets in more light. And we all know light is what kills the animal, right? That's right. More, more light goes in. That's right. And that's why if, you know, that's why poachers at night use a light, right? That's Otherwise, what it's for. Yeah. Wouldn't work at all. No. Nope. Um, so, I mean, it's obvious. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean, so, I use um, the, uh, the, the pellet, the pellets usually have a, a hole in the middle as well. So the, pr- the primer can more uniformly light it off. It can access more surface area. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think some of the, the stuff, the glue or whatever it is that bonds those together might retard it a little bit. So maybe the hole counteracts that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I had an inline and I, I went hunting with it a couple of times, but whoa, so annoying so annoying like you've got okay. this gun that's kind of I mean, loaded you take oh. the pelt you take the primer off yeah. but then it's like loaded it's kind of loaded and then you shoot it and like ah i gotta clean this thing and it's like it's november yep. and it's cold and everything freezes and you use water on a gun and uh i'm a little yep. confused adriel of all so i've been saying for weeks we're gonna get andy on to talk about muzzle loading <laughs> hunting yeah yeah because a listener wanted to hear us talk about this topic uh-huh. not once in all of this had you ever bothered to speak up and say i've been muzzle loading hunting or i have muzzle loader experience not once yeah but i had like a, one of those lame inlines that doesn't even is it isn't even hardly a a real black powder firearm it's just a a modern i had one of it's those way around uh, the rules yeah yeah but I mean, you know. not even like we don't even have any advantage for it here in, in Alberta. I was hunting in rifle season with it. So here's what I'm working with: one guy, one guy who shot with one who doesn't think it's an actual muzzleloader black powder, and another guy who got lucky and killed the deer by fluke. <laughs> <laughs> and and has fire. all of the downsides to <laughs> to muzzleloading hunting. I think I think you summed it up pretty well there. I think so. You know? Yeah. I think yeah. That's if said, if you were going to hunt with it and, and just get around the rules, you would get a, an inline. Uh, right. With a, a 209 shotgun primer, uh, you'd use the pellets, you'd use a sabo with a pistol a bullet, you'd use a scope, and uh, a, a scope with uh, a graduated reticle so you knew your drops, because again, that thing's still dropping quite fast, even with the oh, sabo yeah. and all that kind of stuff, uh, and you'd hammer your deer uh, in, a, in, in a little bit earlier of a season than you can with a, with a rifle. But again, like in Alberta here, it's no advantage. So I, I sold it and I went back to bow and rifle. So I'd go bow when it's bow season, rifle when it's rifle season. And on the other side, if you like to tinker, if you like to fiddle around with guns, you take one of these old, you know, style Hawkins to the range and you fire 20 rounds. That's a day, you know, you're having a great time. It's awesome. <laughs> I like the and idea of the, of the patched ball. And the yeah, loose powder and and all that kind of stuff. It's it's that, very. That uh, my, my approach was if I'm going to do the black powder thing. Well, partly it's because I already had the gun; and it was given to me. But I I decided not to go with the pellets or with the sabo or with the the modern shaped bullet. I decided to go with the more traditional ball and patch. Just if you're going to do the black powder thing, why not? In my mind, I just said, well, I'll do it more the old fashioned way. Yeah. That said, I'm not using real black powder, so you know, a purist would would not be impressed by that whatsoever. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? If Jim. anyone's actually interested in this, uh, Hickok45 recently did a YouTube video where he fires his same gun, Hawken 54, and he explains the whole loading process and things very well. And oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. The one that Jim Shockey ran around with for years, um, I don't know if he's still with Thompson Center, but he used to, I mean, he shot just about, he may even have a grand slam 
with the muzzle loader. He probably does. And he's got a bunch of African species with a muzzle loader and he's got like one in his hand and somebody's carrying a backup. Um, would that be an inline as well? That's a very, seems to me he's not using sure. a very, very modern. Uh, no, I don't know what Jim, I, do, I don't, uh, I mean, I a lot of those, uh, a lot of those inlines, they've got a breech block that you can pull out really quickly. So they'll have like a little tool that you can twist out the, uh, the yep. breech block and then your barrel's basically just a tube. So super easy to clean. Um, okay. that's an advantage with some of those ones, some of the break action ones, uh, they're like straight, but then you just break it open and then you can access the, uh, uh, the breech block and the nipple and all that kind of stuff. They're just right out there in front of you. So. Andy, can you access the breach at all on that one? Uh, well, you you push a wedge out of the forestock. The whole barrel unhinges from the from the receiver, I guess you'd call it. But no, yeah. Well, technically, the without the breech, that thing's a cannon. That thing's basically a cannon it's barrel with a cannon. nipple. Yeah, the yeah. breach will unscrew from it. It is screwed in there, but they it's recommended never to take it out. It's not meant to be disassembled and reassembled at it's all. It's probably all credit up by now anyways, because the thing with yeah. shooting black powder is it gets that crud gets in the in the threads and you'll never take it apart again. Certainly does. The new yeah, ones you gotta grease the threads. Some of them are you have to like screw them all the way in. Some of them will be will use like interrupted threads. So like a half turn and then yep. out she comes kind of a thing. Like a but, naval gun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to get into muzzle loading. What do wow. I need? Are what, you gonna other, are you gonna go like traditional which way do you like, go? Andy or are you gonna go modern? Well, let's go traditional. I think if you're going to do this, you might as well do traditional. So other than the, I mean, you know, modern firearm, I buy a rifle, I buy ammunition. No problem. Okay. So you need the gun, obviously. Yeah. You need, uh, okay. You need. Gun comes with the rod. Gun usually comes with the rod. Although if you're at the range, you'd probably use a different rod because the one on the gun is minimalist. You will, it doesn't have a nice handle on the end mm-hmm. you know, to push with your hand. So you'd probably want to get a, a separate ramrod you can you can modify a cleaning rod actually no problem you need balls which you can buy or make you need patches lubricated patches lubricated patches okay that's something that you purchase wherever you purchase muzzleloader uh, supplies yes i I assume that's where i got these (laughs) and now are the patches specific to the bore of the gun okay yeah yeah and you know again purists would have a roll of material and they would cut their own patch, I think, and still dip, it, dip it in order. some bear fat and, and, yeah. and away you go. Yeah. Hey, keep it. I don't um, know about that. You would want to pick your caliber too because there's 54, yep. there's 50, and 70, 54, 74. There's, there's 54 and 50, and I don't think you want to go any smaller for deer size game. I've got a mold downstairs, I think, for 50. Yeah. 50 is. I think the most popular. Fifty-four lets more light in, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, 50, anyway. fifty for the uh, fifty for the guys who are not traditional because they're gonna uh, uh, suck it down anyways with a a sabo, so it doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, okay, balls, patches. You need something to hold your gunpowder in in the field. Uh, a brass canister, plunger type thing, or if you want to go real. <laughs> You know, the old powder horn, if everyone wants a powder horn, I think. Um, you need a powder measure, okay, that determines it. You, they're adjustable. The little thumb screw and a plunger, you can oh, it's no preset. Way. It's 
preset to how much powder you're going to load, right? Um, and so there's data for this? Like if I'm using triple data, seven, that is pretty know. loose. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can load 80 grains, 90 grains, 100 grains, 110. Well, at what point I do you think, blow up I, the gun? It, I don't think it'll ever blow up. I think it's just diminishing returns. Okay. More I think recall. the nature of black powder is kind of... After well, you reach a certain point, nothing more happens. I, don't, I wouldn't more say more recoil. Don't. Yeah. 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 A lot more recoil. You could probably blow it up if you went like 150 or, Maybe. or more. Maybe. Depending on the gun. You can go over 100 grains with a 54. I know that. I, I don't recall what the maximum was. I remember settling on 100 and I was happy with that. Um, you need. Based, uh, based on what? The kind of group that you got at 50 or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it grew quite well at 50, you know, from the bench with open and, sights. I was happy. And will, um, will the group be affected by the amount of powder charge? Like when I'm, okay, I'm, I'm using a 125-grain bullet, and I've got a minimum charge and a maximum charge, and somewhere in there is a sweet spot for the best group. Is the same hold true for that 54-caliber ball and a certain amount of volume for black powder? I'm going to say likely, but I, I think... I think I tried 100 grains and was happy with it, and that's that's where we're at. I'm looking (laughs) if so. If you're if you were to completely eschew the uh, the uh, traditionalist and you'd get the Remington 700 Ultimate muzzle loader, you can go to a 200 grain charge of powder. Woo! There you go. See? Yeah. Now we should tell the listeners and viewers that burn rates on black powder and smokeless powder are two very very different animals. And if you were to screw up and put smokeless powder in a muzzle loader, you'd be in a world of trouble. Some of them they were only made have... for it. Some of them were made for it. I think the Savage used uh, the Savage had a, a, right. a muzzle. There loader. was a muzzle loader yeah. that used smokeless powder. A Savage. You're not wrong. Yeah. The only I thing would... those two powders have in common is that they're both called powder and they both burn. But yep. you they're cannot interchange too. whatsoever. <laughs> well, some are gray. Like they're not all uh, black. Yeah. Yeah. You know that um, uh, that traditions. There's a traditions Kentucky 50 caliber percussion muzzle loader do-it-yourself kit at Cabela's for four twenty-nine. You can still mm-hmm. do this. You can still buy these. Cool. Interesting. Okay, what yeah. else do I need, Andy? You need a ball starter, which okay. is a, a little tool. It's got a real short thing to you, you put the ball on and you smack it with your fist to get the ball pushed. The ball has to deform a little bit to go into the rifling. You know, with the patch. Also, that was my and next then, question. The, then you this take is them. not a smooth bore. There's rifling in there. Oh, that yeah. There's big, big, old, big old rifling in there. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. And you can use a Sabo that's wrapped in plastic or an actual Sabo that is The ones I've seen are plastic. Right. But um, one of the advances in muzzle loading was, of course, first they got rifling, and then they changed from a round ball to what looked like a modern bullet, but it oh, was you're talking about a mini. Minier. Minier ball. Yeah. Which is not a sabo. That's just a. That's a bullet, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the say the sabo is a bullet wrapped in plastic. Here's yeah. I've got some sabos. Like if there's a plastic component and a lead. But that's see. That's not even a modern no. style. It's just a. It's just a. It's solid lead, lead yeah. plug. Because you can yeah. get like modern construction bullet wrapped in that yep. plastic sabo. You yep. can buy them for your twelve gauge too, but they seem kind of useless. Like. I think you'd be better off shooting an actual slug. Yeah, they just oh, they just no, look like a, a a plain bullet. They usually have like a hollow skirt. Um, yep. And you can cast them. 
Yeah, Sabo slugs for 12 gauge. That's another topic for another day. Okay, so you got your ball starter. Yeah, so then you you know you start the ball with the little stubby thing, then you push it down with the four inch part, and then you're ready for the ramrod. So it's that's a three step process. Uh, and then you need a bag called a possibles bag. Oh, you your also your balls go in ball, your bag. Yeah, they do. You also need a a thing to hold your primers or your caps. Goodness. I guess they're called caps when you're a muzzle loader. And then you need a bag to hold all that stuff in that you carry over your shoulder. You know when you're hunting. Because you need you need your bag, and uh, there's also some various tools like a nipple wrench. Say something, Trevor. <laughs> and uh, what for tweaking you know, your nipples? Clamps, nipple clamps. That's your, yeah, that's your right. terminology's that's all right. wrong. I'm actually so into the conversation, Andy, that I'm missing all the uh, double entendres. I know, right? So, uh, and then speed loaders are nice. Um, in the you know that terms in quotes, but uh, <laughs> keep everything packaged up real nice. Just remember, put the powder in first. And you'll be right. Fine. Yep. So the speed loader actually has a ball starter built onto it. Yeah, right there, and uh, it's also got a recess to put the ramrod from your rifle in, so it's not as hard on the end of your hand. And if you can see, I know the listeners can't see, but in the cap, there's one end of the cap's got a little place to hold the. The, the primer cap there. Oh, so oh, you don't need all. all that other crap you talked about. You just need one of those. You don't even need the ball starter. That thing will get it going, and then you can just use a ramrod for the rest. That's right. But if you're at the range, you're going to want all that stuff just to uh, make things nicer. Yeah. See, your your bag carries all your little speed loaders. Oh, there. you're set to kill like four deer in a row. Well, Two see, if they're, like, if they're related to that one I got, they would just line up for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait their turn. Anyway. That's, uh, I will say, it's fun. Um, I haven't done a lot with it. I haven't done a lot, much experimentation or load, you know, trying different amounts of powder. But uh, People at the range love it when you shoot a black powder, right? When you're right next to them, you shoot a black powder. Everyone loves yeah. it when you shoot those. It was so cool at, at the indoor, at, no, at the, at the outdoor range in the indoor rifle hut when I was doing the chronographing. Um, the wind was blowing straight at me, but, so I have the the range window open and fire the fire the gun and then there's a, about a three second delay and then the entire building's full of smoke <laughs> Super cool. so then you open the, the back door and the whole thing vents out and you can actually watch the smoke rolling out of the place it, it was, it make a lot of smoke. i'm sure everyone loves that <laughs> sounds like no shooting there uh, it was wasted there was no one there to see it oh. sounds like shooting coated bullets at an indoor ipsic match yeah it's like that times 10 Anyway, they're lots of fun. Um, and here in Nova Scotia, you get that big advantage two weeks early on the hunting season when the weather's really nice. And you can go hunting in, Manitoba. in your shirts. Manitoba, you had uh, a primitive season or a couple of primitive seasons. You could get like one with a bow, one with a muzzle loader, and then one with a rifle. You and, can get and a, and a doe or something. Here, it's your muzzle loader and bow license are together. So you can get. You can get one with that and one in the regular season with the with centerfire. Cool. Nice. It lets you get a second deer here in Nova Scotia, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't regret having it. I don't regret having it given to me. But <laughs> actually, it was a lot of it was a fair project to, you know, do a nice job of putting it together. And it, uh, it did turn out real nice. So. You should uh, get that barrel off there and let me bring it up and hot blue it for you. I was thinking the same thing. 
Yep. Now it's your idea, so we'll do it. Yeah. Last year it was <laughs> the uh, last year it was the jungle. This year it could be the uh, the parts for that. Yeah. Cool. Nothing yeah, to it. it. Would, I mean, they're it already would literally prepped. just be the barrel too. There's no other part on it that needs needs to be blued. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like there's any prep. Just degrease it and throw it in the tank. Yeah, it's already really polished well. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Cool. Anyway, I, I mean, you know, what do you think, guys? Would you, I mean, you had one, Adriel, you had the inline. Yeah. Um, like you said, it was, they're, they're a lot more work. You come home, you're not done. You, you've got to clean the thing now. And, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's one more thing to play with. I'm, I'm, I don't know. You, you, you got the gun. If you buy the kit, that's, you know, 500 bucks. And then were you dropping another $500 in accessories? No, not that much. No, 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 no. I uh, couldn't tell you how much this stuff cost, but it wasn't very much. It's, you know, you can buy it at Cabela's or, or Brass Pro or whatever. And, uh, oh, I don't think it was very much at all. Yeah. No problem. Probably not $200 total for the powder and everything and all the stuff I have. Yeah. The gamer in me says that I would uh, go for one of the modern ones. The modern ones can be inexpensive. You can get you can get a, a an inline yep. for like three fifty. Yeah, nice. Or you can but get that no... Remington for a grand and then run huge two hundred green charges and just ruin your shoulder. Now you're basically shooting a shotgun slug. Hmm. There's a YouTube video somewhere of this. Uh, what were they called? This precision rifle outfit that makes precision rifles they had a precision muzzle loader and they were shooting really really far with the thing and really accurately mm-hmm. and it was a muzzle loader um and um why am i telling you this because i can't remember the name so i'm sorry nate i'm sure it could be found just simply yeah. by putting that into google yeah, yeah. long range muzzle loading anyway uh you know to me the inlines it's strictly if you want to get an, another way to get a deer um, yep. you're not you're not into the shooting aspect of it at all nope and they have no soul basically this has soul <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's like if i when i shot traditional archery i didn't use carbon or aluminum arrows out of my traditional bow i uh, and when i say it, let me i did not shoot traditional archery on a regular basis but i did have my le- fancy leather back quiver and i did have my cedar arrows and they had actual feathers on them and you know, the leather glove and stuff like that. So, if, uh, uh, yeah, actually, the, <laughs> the, the best uh, gloves were made out of deer skin. Did you have to wear the assless, uh, assless yeah. chaps oh, and I the buckskin uh, jacket? No, I didn't go that uh, that far into it. I, I mean, remember, traditional archers are the fuds of the archery world. They're like... I sense that. Somewhere along the shotgunner type line. And uh, you can have a traditional only archery shoot, but if you had a compound only archery shoot, you'd be a racist. That would be <laughs> the equivalent. Yeah. So, yeah. So double cool. standard. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I would get the, I think I would go traditional actually, because like Andy said, it would be about the shooting, not about the hunting, and uh, have everything kind of leather traditionally kind of thing with a, a real horn just for fun. Very good. See, the wheels are turning. I could see it. Sadly, um, yeah. Yeah. You could. Uh, uh, you have the capability, Trevor. You could do that. Uh, finish your own, uh, like mm-hmm. DIY one there. Do mm-hmm. a nice job on it. 
Yeah. <laughs> that one always held more allure to me, making my own and using that, that kit. Mm-hmm. Well, there's satisfaction it when it turns out nice, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, with Denise's uh, help looking over my shoulder, I mean, I could pump out a really nice mm-hmm. finished product, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we could then we could have a competition, Trevor. Everything's a contest. We'd have to. So that's one more way for us to compete. Now I got to get one. But you, you'll have to get a fifty-four then, because otherwise I'll make fun of your little fifty. Yeah, it'd be like sub sub power factor. It'd be like minor oh. versus major, right? It'd be like cheating, basically. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. Fifty-four or nothing. <laughs> cool. Why don't you get the uh, the seventy-five caliber brown bass? Because then you'd have like way, way much over Mr. Andy there. Oh, if I could get an authentic original brown bass, I wouldn't be on this show. Mm. <laughs> They've got a Petter Solly. There's a Petter Solly one yeah, you can get. Those aren't rifled, right? Those are like a smoothbore mm-hmm. musket type thing. 75 right? caliber. A 732 is the bullet diameter. Okay, you cannot argue with 732. That's, That's going to be light. some mass. Yeah. It's a lot of light. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be feeling that light. Yeah. <laughs> or the bear. If, if you wanted to shoot a bear with one of those things, I don't think I would, but it's too brave, too brave. All right. You guys think we're good on black powder? I think so. All right. Covered it. I think we covered it. We really covered it. Detail. We covered it. Uh, listener feedback. Uh, just on the YouTube version, we've been kind of answering the questions as we've been going along. Uh, someone was uh, uh, Derek was talking about how much he liked your uh, your uh, SBR there, uh, Andy. His, Another your, uh, there's pro- see I was talking about the pride and the finished product of, of yeah, let's uh, pull that up again of, yeah of the uh, you know the black powder rifle I mean yeah. look, look you see this that's a that's a microfiber cloth wrapped in oh. black tape that, there's nothing better for a cheek cheek rest there yeah. And, uh, Yep. Full on hobo outfit. Yeah, it, it it doesn't it doesn't look like you went to Home Depot and got a bunch of parts and, and kind of fit them together with no, some black tape well, and stuff. No, That's well a, a little bit, a little bit, but you know other parts are really nice. It's El Cheapo Deluxo. That's what I call it. Actually, it's, yeah, it's it's a yeah. it's a party oh, on the I bottom get, and. Uh, <laughs> Jim gave me some skate tape to put on the forestock here, so mm. that's. Gonna, I wouldn't awesome. do that. I would just cut, like, score the plastic for grip would, with a buck you know, knife. I was thinking of that, Adriel, yeah. actually. Not yeah. the buck knife part. I was going to use, like, my machine tools. but A machete uh, or something? Or, I'll, I'll, know, I don't know. Just hack at it. Torn. Yeah. And I've got to get the uh, I've got to get the 45-degree offset uh, mount for the around-the-corner sight, too, right? Yeah, so yeah two red dots. Yep, yep. Yeah, gotta have the second red dot. Yeah, yeah. Andy, probably you're go not, all done with that. You're not one for selling guns, but I, 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 I bet this thing gets sold. This? Yeah, never. No, that'll be the last gun I ever sell. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> okay. Is Andy oh, one yeah. of these guys who says he's not going to sell it, but then he sells everything and he just moves no, he a bunch. sells nothing. I actually, yeah, I don't sell guns very much. Once in a while, but yeah. interesting. Rarely. Cool. All right, uh, listener. Oh, feed. Trevor, you were you were talking about. Sorry, sorry, guys. Yeah, go ahead. You were talking about how heavy this thing was. It's uh, seven pounds, ten ounces. Ooh, Nelly, that's not bad. It's not oh, as bad on. as you thought. You thought it was heavier for something that's sitting on top of a pistol frame, Adriel. Seven pounds. <laughs> I can probably <laughs> for an overcrowded pistol. Pound off of this. I could probably whittle a pound off of that. Probably more more titanium. No buck knife. 
start carving got, it off. Yeah, whittle, literally whittle. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a full size eighteen and a half inch rifle. It doesn't weigh that much. My, I didn't. My, my, uh, I didn't design it. I just own it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Imagine what it weighed before you chopped the barrel off. Yeah, it was. It was uh, six inch, whatever six inches the barrel weighs. <laughs> so that's interesting. Now. It's an upper, so it doesn't have to be registered. That's right. You change the length of your pistol barrel when you put it on. I guess. I made it longer, yeah. I wonder if there's uh Nope, well, cut that out. <laughs> it's not an AR, so it's not like you have to notify them when you change the length of no, the barrel on you. It's a pistol it's a pistol frame. It's it's registered, it's restricted. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I would transport it as a pistol and then put That's the. What I do. On I take it. Up, I take it yeah. apart and I put the frame in my case and lock it in my case, double locked. Yep. And done the deal. Upper, upper just goes in the gun case. Yep. yep. Cool. All right, listener feedback. Listener feedback is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Armory DC Gunsmith is a full-service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot bluing, parkerizing, and Cerakote finishes, as well as wood refinishing. Check out his online inventory of new and used guns, firearms accessories, optics, and more at dcgunsmith.ca. Follow him on Facebook and on Instagram. There are a whole ton of specials that he has for uh, Black Friday coming up here. Uh, yep. Humor me while I go through them. Uh, go do whatever you want. All right. Cool. So um, the M and M M10X seven point six two by thirty nine. We talked about that one last week. I believe it's sixteen ninety nine. The BCL that's in there is thirteen ninety nine. Um, Chinese surplus seven point six two by thirty nine ammo crate of fourteen forty four three fifty. Um, now we've got a whole bunch of new stuff that's in stock. Ruger, all all in stock Ruger American and Ruger Precision rifles. So Ruger Precision in 308 is marked down to 1589. A Ruger Precision in 6.5 Hipster Creedmoor, 1589. <laughs> Ruger American Hunting Rifles in 30 out 6, 545. That's a good deal. A Ruger American Compact 308 Winchester, 545. A Ruger American Stainless Compact in 243 for 699. Ruger American Predator 6.5 Creedmoor for 575. Uh, all of this can be seen on his uh, Facebook and Instagram. Actual pictures of these rifles and the price lists. All the Mossbergs are on sale. A bunch of Patriots in different calibers, ranging from 779. 799 for the 300 Win Mag 24 inch barrel European Premier number two walnut. That one's the 799. The Patriot in 243 with a Vortex scope for 509. Come on. Jeez, that's a good deer package right there. Yeah. Mossberg Patriot 30 out six with a 22 inch barrel synthetic classic style stock 435. Jumpins. Is that 243 a, a junior junior rifle or a regular? I believe regular, mm, but I gotta I gotta I'd get a have, junior rifle next year. I'd have to double check. Um, Patriot six point five Creedmoor, twenty two inch barrel. It's in uh, dark earth for four forty nine, and then there's a schwack of pistols on sale. Glock thirty five Gen four in forty Smith and Wesson for six seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Smith and Wesson MMP range kit. Oh no, that one's gone. There's an MMP two range kit for seven oh nine. A Norinco NP22, that's the P26 clone for three, 329. I've held this gun. 
I have uh, dry fired this gun. The trigger is fantastic. And right now, Andy, Christina is looking at my phone, seeing your face, and she's quite confused. Is that not Kelly? Um, because there's a delay. Like they give Don Cherry, we have to give uh, Andy a delay. He's got like a second, seven second. Well, that's what you think, but it's probably the other way around. Uh, the delays for me. Oh, speaking of delays, go away. Um, ten folio witness, nineteen eleven nine millimeter for eight fifty. Paid a thousand for mine. What the hell? Um. What? It, sorry, no. I mean, uh, cost price, <laughs> nice. cost price. Nice, nice. Uh, a Walther Creed nine millimeter for four eighty. Holy smokes! PPQ Q five match combo. Um, that I believe comes ready for the optic. That one's twelve forty five, and Gersans for three and a quarter, or a Gersan with a, a Vortex Red Dot installed six fifty. Neat. And wrapping it up, we got a Scorpio SKS. You guys remember this? It was made by the same people that make the WK. They took a, an SKS, chopped it down, threw it inside a chassis, and made it take AR mags. So that's 580. Wow. Remington 870 DM set up with Magpul 825. Daria Mark 10 VR90 499. A Daria Carina pump, 14 inch barrel, 250. A Daria uh, sorry, not a Daria. A DP12. Everyone knows the DP12. This is the double barrel pump action. It's uh, 1849. A T97 flat top, 950. A 783 watchdog, 308 for 950. Remington 700 SPS, 30 out 6 with sights, 569. Oh, nice. Uh, Hawa 1500 HCR camo, 6.5 Creedmoor. This is a. Um, precision rifle it comes in a chassis it comes with a really nice uh nico sterling scope on it already so the whole thing is ready to go with an accuracy international mag in 6.5 hipster 16.85 there's a lot of value in that package i've been eyeballing it for a while i believe the barrel's threaded already as well a tnw ars nine millimeter it's in pink adriel you like pink it's 950 love it there's a Gen 2 Chris Vector in Alpine White in 9mm for $16.99. I like so that Alpine White one. It's, well, yeah, you, you uh, <laughs> having the white air, of course. So that was a lot to listen to, guys. Uh, but he is a show sponsor, and he's good to us, and he'll be good to you. Call him, email him, visit the Facebook or the Instagram, and see if there's something there you want. And stand like the Calgary Shooting Center. He's updating his uh, specials all the time. So check back often. Cool. All right. Listener feedback. We have an email from Brian. I have this 410 shotgun and the only name on it is SureShot. See attached picture. From what I hear, listening to you all, especially Trevor, this should be a Kui. If so, what model is it? And I have lost the trigger guard and the screw to hold it on. How do I go about finding those parts for that older firearm? Okay. So the sure shot was the name that Kui put on their uh, 22s and shotguns to um, when they were sold through Sears, at least Sears. I don't know if other manufacturers or other uh, dealers carried them as well. I'm trying to hold my 22 up to my... Put your uh, hand in front of the uh, your face so that it like wants to focus. No, like right, right up close to the gun. Like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Like now, that. now put your hand down. 
Oh, now we're now we're focused on the gun. Oh, we, were. Right. we found your face. Again. Okay. Well, Anyways, anyway, on yeah. the back of my um, model sixty, all it says is sure shot repeater. Right. Um, so it is a Kui. It's a Kui model eighty four, and um, they were sold through Sears under the name Sure Shot, made by Kui. Uh, as far as parts go, start joining the Kui collectors pages on Facebook. Um, if you're not on CGN, get on CGN and put a um, parts wanted. Plus, we may have those parts at the shop, so you can always call uh, Armory DC Gunsmith at uh, 506-826-9017. And we've got a, um, a schwack of Kui parts in stock and can uh, often order some in from different places. So that, that, that part is still obtainable, not unobtainable. Cool. And of course, I replied to his email and immediately asked if the gun was for sale. He assures me. <laughs> I was he waiting for that. Yeah, he assures me it is not. <laughs> <laughs> Got to try. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to email the show and uh, ask us to try to buy your gun, uh, email your email us at slamfireradio at gmail dot com. Uh, podcast app reviews, none of those. But if you'd like to head on over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review. It usually helps uh, people find us. Uh, shout outs, Trevor. Yeah. To Sean and um, all the hardworking crew at Alberta tactical rifle supply. Thank you so much for taking care of me with this thing. Um, I got it in uh, in a reasonable amount of time. It's got a couple of customizations on here for me. The selector indicators and the serial number are customized and uh, that means a lot to me. The gun is amazing, and I cannot wait to get out and shoot it. You guys are swamped. Everybody's freaking out. Oh, my God, they're going to take our guns. I want my gun now, or I want my money back, or can I sell my spot in line to somebody else? Like, oh, so much time is wasted. That could be spent on getting your guns. Leave them alone. Calling them is not going to make it go any faster. You're going to get your gun when you get your gun. Either suck it up and wait for it or cancel it. But, like, stop calling them. Stop bothering them. <laughs> yeah things happen cool things change mm-hmm. Andy have you ever had to change a deadline on a job have I ever not had to. right there you go <laughs> things happen you do your best to stay within you know but sometimes there's things that happen beyond your control slides crack so. mistakes are made yeah yeah but you learn uh, you learn things from these things right of course <laughs> things you learn. learn yeah he's never sent us another gun has he <laughs> he learned but I'm bringing two Glock slides down. Cool. All right. We're going to go to work on Filthy's Glock next. Sweet. So, what are we do? Oh, yeah. Right. 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 We're right. going to tighten it. Yep. The tolerance is yes, on the Glock is sloppy as hell. So, I, Filthy, I thought you wanted that tightened. I thought that was the job. Yeah. Put, it, put it in a vice and just the keep slide cranking. Tracker 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, I got a shout out, uh, Andy, thanks for coming on and, uh, helping us through the, today's show. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Uh, sorry for all the not show up, no shows there guys, but I don't uh, yeah, think thanks, thanks for having me on. I really, it was fun. I don't think we even threw you under the bus once for it. Really? No. Like privately. Yes. But not. Oh on the yeah. Show. Oh, behind no. your back. Big yeah. A lot, <laughs> lot. Yeah. Yeah. Names. Yeah. Nicknames. All that kind I of appreciate stuff. Appreciate all that. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. No problem. Andy, do you have any shout outs? 
Well, I was just, while you guys were shouting out, I was trying to think of one, but no, I don't. I'm good. Yeah. Cool. You have to like people and associate with other human beings in order to want to connect with one of them and send out some kind words. Is that the deal? But, you know, I'm not psychoanalyzing. I'm just judging. If you ever have me on again, I'll make sure I have a shout out. Oh, there, there you go. <laughs> I'd like to shout out my cat, Smokey. <laughs> uh, she brought in a mouse. She brought in a mouse just minutes before the show, actually. Shout so, out, yeah, yeah shout out to the good, cat. What a good mouse. Another mouse now. Yeah. <laughs> Earning her, earn her keep. Yep. She needs to lay off the snakes, though. That's not cool. Well, yeah, they're all asleep now, so it's fine. Perfect. Cool. Uh, Patreon. So if you'd like to help support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash slamfire radio. Uh, this week we have a couple of new or are these guys all new? You know, there's one for sure. The other two may have gotten missed. So it's better to shout someone out twice than Let's not shout them out. Shout them all out. Uh, Frazier for five. That's 500. I think, uh, yep. Mitchell for seven, six, two and Barry for five as well. So, uh, if you want a patch, email us and I will put a patch in the mail for you. Uh, finally, you can also help us out by uh, visiting Cabela's through our link. So if you want to look at that Kentucky uh, parts build where you got to build your own smoke pole, uh, head on over to Cabela's through our website because we got like a little image on there and then they'll, they'll, they'll kick a little bit of money back our way if you're going to buy it there anyways. Uh, fuel the jet. Fuel the jet. Yeah. Yeah. We got we to gotta shoot all those silver bullets and uh, that stuff costs money. So. Uh, join a National Firearms Association, such as the CCFR. Check us out on GOC and like us on Facebook. We're at 2,225. And we are closing the gap on those homeless children. We've got them <laughs> in our sights, if it were, as it were. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.